We're going to start tonight in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to tell you a joke first, though, right? I'm telling you it's a joke ahead of time so you can laugh at it when I tell it, all right? Um, one week after moving into his, final, his first apartment, Ed called his mother to complain about his neighbors. One woman cries all day long. Another lies in bed moaning. And then there's the guy who keeps banging his head against the wall. <clears throat> well, you better keep away from them, Mom said. And he said, oh, I do. I stay inside all day long playing my tuba. <laughs> he was the problem. He was actually playing his tuba all day long. So one woman was crying all day. One woman was uh, <clears throat> lying in bed moaning. And the other, the other guy kept banging his head. Now, sometimes we are complaining and moaning when we're really the problem. <clears throat> we're complaining. We're actually the problem. We're actually the issue. Uh, Israel was like that. Israel complained about Moses, complained about Aaron, complained about God. What they didn't realize was they were the problem. <clears throat> the issue was with them. Uh, that they had a problem. They had an issue. All right? So... <clears throat> We need to be careful uh, in this area of moaning and complaining. We're very good at it. But, you know, it's something that God absolutely hates. Now, we're going to do a whistle-stop Bible study over several passages tonight. And then we're going to draw some conclusions, uh, conclusions and then we're going to be done, all right? But what I want you to catch is, I want you to catch how easily they fall into it and how God responds to it. God does not treat their moaning as something, ah, oh, bless their hearts. <clears throat> when they're moaning and complaining, God gets upset. God's going to kill people on the head of it in the, uh, in the passages we're going to read. And, and we think very little of moaning and complaining, and yet, you know what? God doesn't see it the way we do. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll, then we'll begin to look. Father, would you bless as we look to your word tonight? Help us, Lord. Uh, <clears throat> We need your hand upon us. We need you to help us to actually see your heart as far as complaining and moaning. And we need to be helped as far as avoiding it too. Lord, would you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 14, 11 and 12. Now we've already covered this passage, but we're just going to catch it again uh, because it's the first time we find them doing this. Exodus chapter 14. And we're looking at 11 and 12. <clears throat> Right. Now, let me just, uh, I, I'll bring you up to speed rather than reading the whole passage in each of these ones we're going to uh, look. What's happening here is they've left, they, they, uh, they've had the Passover, they've, the, <clears throat> the firstborn in Egypt have all died, they've left, and now as they're on their way and they're caught up in the wilderness, Pharaoh and all his army are coming up hard after them, ready to kill them. And see what they say, and they said unto Moses in verse 11, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in this wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So they've seen the plagues. They've seen God turn Pharaoh and his nation upside down. And at the first sign of danger, they start complaining. We, we, we were better off back there in slavery. All right. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 15. They're at it again. God opens the Red Sea, lets them pass through the Red Sea. And um, in Exodus chapter 15, they don't have any water. So 15 verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out 
into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, and there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Right? <clears throat> so again we find the first, first fault, I mean, that, <clears throat> that they've been uh, through the plagues, they've been through the Red Sea, there's no water, and it be- instantly they began to murmur and complain. And God fixes the problem for them, God deals with it for them. Uh, chapter 16, <clears throat> and they took their journey from Elam, starting in verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out that gather and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even when ye shall know... <clears throat> At even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt, and in the morning when ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. <clears throat> and what are we that ye murmur against us? Now, Moses is making a distinction for them here. He's saying, you're murmuring about us, but God hears your murmuring, and it's against him. And that's a key thought for us to catch in this thing. <clears throat> we ever talking about somebody... And they walked up behind you. And you wanted to swallow your words and get rid of them and have them gone completely. And, and you couldn't believe that you'd said those things. Because they heard what you were saying about them. God hears everything you complain and you murmur about. Everything. And he doesn't say, well, bless you, you know, you, you, you poor thing, you are having a hard time. You see, if we really believe that God is in charge and God is in control and he's working in our lives, then ultimately we're not murmuring against people. What we're really saying is, God, I'm not happy with what you're doing in my life. And God takes it personally. We're going to see him taking it personally now <clears throat> as we move along here, right? <clears throat> Verse 8, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. See how many times that comes up? I have heard the murmurings. <clears throat> now, what are they murmuring about? They're murmuring they haven't got food. Who are they murmuring against? Moses and Aaron. Who takes offense? God. So when we murmur and complain, we need to remember that God, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> God, 
hears and God listens to, to all of it and God gets offended with it. Uh, <clears throat> look at verse 13. And it came to pass that at evening when the quails came up and covered the camp and in the morning dew lay around about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, then this is the bread which the Lord your God hath given you to eat. <clears throat> this is the thing which the Lord had commanded. And he goes on and tells them how they're supposed to take the manna. But God feeds them with manna from heaven. But <clears throat> notice, it started off there complaining and God's just fixing it. And they're complaining and God's just fixing it. And now they're complaining and God has taken offense with it. And Moses and Aaron are clocking the fact that God has taken offense with it. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> God is saying, listen, I hear your murmuring and your complaining. Now God has a right to expect of this nation that they're going to grow in their faith. Now, <clears throat> they had seen the plagues of Israel, of Egypt. They had seen Egypt destroyed. They had seen, they had seen the Red Sea open. They had seen water come from the rock. They have seen the manna come. God is saying to himself, now, they're going to catch on. They need to catch on. Now, they didn't catch on. And the reason they didn't catch on was not because they couldn't catch on. They didn't catch on because they chose not to catch on. You see, faith is not something that happens to you. Faith is something you choose. You choose to believe. Now, <clears throat> I'm sure we could look, if we were to go into it and look at all the details, we would find there were people that were disturbing faith in it. But you know what? God held them accountable. He expected, after showing them so many miracles and so many wonders, that they would come to the point where they would say, okay, I can trust him to take care of me in this thing. Now, <clears throat> now we look on that kind of faith. We talked about it this morning. We look on that kind of faith and we think, wow, it would be great to have that kind of faith. Do you know that God expects you to have that kind of faith? That God is offended when you choose not to believe. That God is offended when you choose not to trust Him. That He, that he expects you to trust Him. He expects you to trust Him. <clears throat> well, say you're a mother keeping a house, right? And the children are constantly wondering if they're going to get their next meal and where the next meal is going to come from and what's going to be for our next meal and we're all going to die because we haven't had food and it's, it's an hour past our, our dinner time and we're... You know, as a mother, you're, you're getting offended. You're saying, listen, hang on. I've been feeding you every day of your life. I'm well able to take care of you. Don't worry about it. I will feed you. And typically, kids don't worry about that stuff at all. <clears throat> God, in the same way, says, I've been taking care of you all the time. I, I, I want you to trust me to take care of you. I want you to trust me that I'm going to look after you. All right. <clears throat> look at chapter 17. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? Now, now <clears throat> Moses is warning them here. Now, you're tempting the Lord here. <clears throat> do you ever consider when you're complaining and moaning that you're actually tempting the Lord? You're bothering him. He's not happy. It's a personal affront to him. What he wants to say to you is, of course I'll take care of you. Of course I'll look after you. You're my child. Why wouldn't I? And when we're moaning and complaining, uh, <clears throat> we're tempting him. Uh, and, the Lord <clears throat> and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that, you, that and thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And God gives them water from the rock. <clears throat> um, 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that this people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the people of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? Can he do it? Is he really among us? And they tempted him. <clears throat> um, all right, look at me at Numbers chapter 14. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14 and verse 2. Now, <clears throat> Numbers chapter 14 is dealing with, in Numbers chapter, <clears throat> chapter 12 and 13, the spies have gone out to spy the land, and they have looked at the land, and it's a glorious land, and it's got everything you could possibly want uh, <clears throat> to live in that land, right? Uh, but they come back. Ten of the spies bring back, back a bad report. They, they, they come back and they say, listen, it's a great land. Everything we want is there, but there's giants in the land. There's no way we could take it. <clears throat> There's no way we could take that land. So in, in, in chapter 14, the people respond to the ten spies. By the way, this is not our point tonight, but do you know that your response to God affects other people? That if you trust God, it tends to encourage other people to trust God. And if you won't believe God and you moan and complain about what God's doing in your life, it has a negative impact upon other people. Listen, <clears throat> God's going to take care of it. That's the reality. We need to trust him to take care of it. And when we don't, and we get negative and start complaining and moaning and all the rest, what we do is we negatively impact other people. What's going to happen is the ten are going to negatively impact the rest of the tribe. There's two, Joshua and Caleb, that are going to say, no, 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 the Lord is with us. He'll give us the land. <clears throat> you know, let's go up and take it. Uh, but the others are going to say, no, we can't. So look at verse 2 here. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? All right. So they come to the land, they're ready to go in, the spies discourage them, and they're saying, Oh, it would be better if we died in Egypt, it would be better if we died in, in this wilderness. Look at the state we're in now. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return unto Egypt. All right? Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, Caleb and Joshua speak to them. But I want you to skip over to verse 27. <clears throat> Verse 26, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to the whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. So what did they say? They said, Would God that we had died in Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And God says, Okay, you got it. You're all going to die in the wilderness. And that generation died in the wilderness. Now, why did they die in the wilderness? Well, the answer is unbelief, isn't it? They wouldn't believe God. What was the manifestation of their unbelief? Murmuring and complaining. 
When you don't trust God, you murmur and complain. What they were doing is they were murmuring and complaining, and God took issue with it, and that generation never went into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness because they murmured and complained. This is serious stuff with God. That's the point I'm trying to get across to us here. <clears throat> it's a serious issue with God that we don't murmur and complain. It's a serious issue with God that we trust Him. Even in hard times. You know, some of these things are hard. <clears throat> I mean, if you've got two and a half million people and you've got no water, you are on your way out rapidly. But they had seen enough that God expected them to believe that He would take care of them somehow. You've got two and a half million people and you've got no food for them. You know, <clears throat> that's pretty serious stuff too. But they had seen enough miracles that God expected them to believe that he could do it. God is expecting you and I to believe him, to trust him. Not to murmur and complain. On the one side, when we trust, there's life. On the other side, when we won't trust, there's darkness and death. And we, we don't understand that. That's, that's, that's the reality. <clears throat> God wants us in that place of sweet trust. But we've got to make a choice. Because if we choose to complain and moan and murmur, what we're doing is we're not choosing that place of trust. <coughs> okay. Um, chapter 16. Now, six, chapter 16 is dealing with the rebellion of Korah. And the rebellion of Korah was Korah and 250 of the guys got together and they said, Hey, Moses, you think you're big stuff. You think you're the man. <coughs> well, we're all... God's children. And why do you make yourself so, uh, such a big shot? Why, why are you taking so much on yourself? And Moses says, okay, well, let's let the Lord sort this out. And so the Lord does sort it out. And Korah and the princes that were with them, they're all swallowed up in the earth. They're gone. <clears throat> but watch what happens in chapter, in, in chapter 16, verse 41. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked towards the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their, upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord and the plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses had commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun amongst the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died of the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. God killed 14,000 people for murmuring and complaining. This is serious stuff here. Obviously, God has a whole different idea to this than we do. Obviously, God has a whole different idea as far as us believing him <clears throat> than we do. All right, then, 17, verse 1, and we're, we're, this is our last passage. We're done with this, right? We do have some other passages to look at. There are other passages, by the way, <clears throat> but we won't look at all of them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod... <clears throat> 
And take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of their princes, and according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod, and thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. Uh, for one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers, and thou shalt lay up against them in the tabernacle and the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you. And it shall, it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. So God says, I'm going to deal with the situation now. I'm going, <clears throat> I'm going to have a test. Everybody, I want everybody to give me a rod, put the rod in the tabernacle, and I'm going to cause one of the rods, one of the sticks, to blossom. Right? <clears throat> and that's going to show whom it is that I've chosen as my leader. Uh, and Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of the witness, and it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went <coughs> into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and blo bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds, and Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto the children of Israel, and they looked and took every man his rod, and the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony, to be kept for token against the rebels, that thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, uh, that they die not. And Moses did so, and the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded him, so did he. And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die, we perish, we all perish. Whosoever <clears throat> cometh anything near unto the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? And what God is trying to do, God is trying to settle the issue of the murmuring and the complaining. <clears throat> right? Now, okay, let's, let's come back to the, to the here and now. So we're looking at Israel. Israel murmur and complain, and God deals with them. What about us, though? What about us when we murmur and complain? <clears throat> what about us when we complain about our situation? We complain about the people around us. We complain about our, <clears throat> our, our finances. We complain about all those things. And we get to the place of murmuring and complaining, and we're unhappy about them. <clears throat> is that a serious thing with God? Is God as much alive in your life as he is in Israel's life? Remember one of the things they said, is the Lord amongst us? Isn't that what we do when we complain? We say, is the Lord amongst us? Does anything happen in your life that God has not put into your life? Ever. Does, does anything happen in your life <coughs> that God is not responsible for, ultimately? Never. So, if <coughs> everything that happens in my life, God is responsible for, then dare I lightly murmur and complain about those things? <coughs> Let me encourage you here. Don't respond with a complaining heart. Don't respond. You may, <clears throat> at this point in your life, think it's fine, but it's not. Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do all things without murmurings, without complaining and disputing, <clears throat> to show yourself to be the children of God. You're not supposed to complain and to, <clears throat> to, more, uh, to murmur. I, I think amongst Christians, it's one of the easiest things for us to get into. It's one of the easiest things for us to get into, that we complain and we, <clears throat> and <clears throat> we crib and we, we crab about all the things that are not right in our lives and all the things that are not right with the people around us and all the things that are not right with the job and all the things that are not right with the church. And, you know, <clears throat> we can complain like the best of them. And God hears it. And he's not happy. <clears throat> now, understand what causes a complaining heart. 
First thing is unbelief. You're not seeing God working in the circumstances of your life. I may not like the circumstances of my life. <clears throat> I may not think they're the best thing as far as I'm concerned. But you know what? Obviously God does because he did it. Now I need to wrap my head around that and understand, you know, God is working in my life. He is doing things in my life. <clears throat> and <clears throat> when, I, when I understand that God is working in my life, it changes what he's doing. It's not just this dreadful, unfair imposition on me. It's my heavenly Father working in my life. There's a great passage in Psalm 78. We're not going to read it for time's sake. It talks about the children of Israel and their unbelief and their complaining and their moaning. And in verse 41, it says this. It says, They believed... Not God. Let me find, let me read this for you. You don't need to look it up, but I'll find it for you, right? Um, <clears throat> verse 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. No, that's, 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 a, that's a powerful, far-reaching verse. They limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit Him? Well, they, they never got to see the Promised Land. God had a plan for them. God had a plan for them to go into the promised land. He had a plan for them to enjoy all the blessings of the promised land. He had a plan for them to have houses they never made, vineyards they never planted, olive trees that they never planted. He had a plan for them to have all those things. He had a plan for them to go to the land of milk and honey. They wouldn't believe him, and they limited him. They never saw it. Now, do you think it's possible that you and I could limit God's plan for our lives by refusing to believe him? And the refusing to believe him gets manifested in murmuring and complaining. We're not happy with this. We're not happy with this circumstance. We're not happy with that situation. We're not happy with the other. <clears throat> and our murmuring and complaining, God takes offense with, and we limit what God can do in our lives. I mean, that is an amazing verse. How do you limit omnipotence? By not believing Him. By not trusting Him. When you trust Him, to do what he said he will do in your life. You're on good ground. And when you don't, and when you complain, and when you murmur, you know what? You're putting yourself in a bad place. Because God wants to take care of you, and he will, if you trust him. <coughs> if you depend upon him. So the first issue is <coughs> unbelief. The next time you complain, just stop and remember that you are... The problem, you're expressing unbelief in the goodness of God or in the ability of God to take care of you. That's a hard one to bite the bullet on, but we need to bite the bullet on that. You know, if we had talked to those people of Israel and, um, and um, you know, asked them, why were they complaining? They would say, well, what do you expect us to do? There's no water. We have reason. There's no food. What do you expect us to do? And if I ask you why you're complaining a moment, you're going, say, you're, you're going to say, well, what do you expect me to do? i got this issue and this problem. How am I supposed to get over it? No, the heart of your unbelief, the heart of your murmuring and your complaining, God says is unbelief. You're not trusting him. He's at work in your life. He wants you to trust him. <clears throat> Second thing is self-centeredness. Uppermost in the minds of the Israelites wasn't how to please God but what shall we eat and what shall we drink? All they could see was their needs right then and there. Then they were not being met. All they could think was about themselves. Their complaints were clearly caused by self-centeredness. All they were thinking about was themselves. 
<clears throat> and you know what? When we get to murmuring and complaining, that's all we think about. By the way, it's amazing when you're moaning and complaining and murmuring how the people around you notice. They notice how self-centered you're being. They notice how it's all about you. You're the only issue and you're the only thing that matters in the situation. They notice that. They, they, they can see that. You may not think they do. You may think you're perfectly justified in, in, your, in your complaining and in your moan, but they understand, you know what, listen, this person has just been totally selfish. Remember the song we teach the kids, how to, ha- how to have joy, J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, and you last. And it works. When you get it back to front and you go you first, you're never going to have joy in your life. But when you put Jesus first and you put others second and uh, you put you last, you can have joy in your life. <clears throat> you can actually be happy, but you'll never be happy as long as you're focusing on, I'm not getting what I want, and you're complaining, and you're murmuring, and you're, and you're giving out about it. No, and listen, what you're, what you're in is you're in unbelief, and God's not happy. And that's a bad place to be. <clears throat> then another one is pride. You see, when we murmur and complain, what we're basically saying is, I deserve better than this. I deserve better than this. I've earned better than this. Why are you not giving me better than this? Why is God not doing better than this for me? Isn't that what we're doing? You know what? <clears throat> We really are a bit atheistic at that point. What we're doing is we're looking into the face of God and we're saying, you know, <clears throat> listen, how dare you? Remember we talked about Stephen Fry? How, he was going to say, how dare you? How dare you bring suffering into the world? How dare you? Who do you think you are, Stephen Fry? God's got the right to do whatever he likes in the world. But you know what? We get to be atheistic in our thinking, at least, when we get to complaining and moaning. We really do. We get to acting like there's no God. <clears throat> we get to acting like, you know what? Um, <clears throat> there's no God out there at all, and it's all about me, and he needs to come to the party and get things, the, these things straightened out for me. Now, you know, typically we don't do a Stephen, Stephen Fry <clears throat> and, 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 uh, you know, and, and say, how dare you, God? But we'll be saying, how dare you, somebody else? How dare this person do this in my life? How dare this situation be in my life? And effectively, like with the nation of Israel, we're not realizing, but God is hearing our murmuring and complaining. <clears throat> Don't allow yourself to get prideful and to demand more than you deserve because if God were to deal with any one of us on what we deserve, you know what? <clears throat> you know what we'd get? Hell. Because that's what we really deserve. And when you get over the fact that you got all these things that you deserve <clears throat> and you begin to realize, you know, no, you know what? God's given me far more than I deserve. It really helps you with your murmuring and complaining. <clears throat> then you need to accept the cure for a complaining heart. This was helpful to me. Uh, <clears throat> somebody said, you really don't want to be a complainer. Uh, <clears throat> 80% of the people that you tell about your complaints and your problems don't care. And the other 20% are glad uh, that you have them. So you don't want to be a complaining and moaning. moaning. <clears throat> you know, um, uh, that's not the way to be. Under- understand this. God hears your complaints. Nobody else is going to come to your party. But God is listening all the time. He hears your complaints and your moaning. Now, what do you think God thinks when he hears you complaining and moaning? moaning? Do you think he thinks, poor you? Oh, you have such a hard time. How did these things happen in your life? How come people are being so mean to you? Do you really think he thinks that? Do you think it slipped through his hands and he doesn't know what's going on in your life? 
Or do you think God thinks, hang on a minute, I gave you this, and 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 you're still complaining? You're still not happy? If I see fit to bring this into your life, can't you accept it from me? Can't you understand? <clears throat> you see, we need to remember that God hears everything. Our murmuring and complaint. The terrible thing about God is he hears what's in your heart. I have to sometimes confess, Lord, <clears throat> that was a wrong way to think. Lord, forgive me. You've got to confess what's going on. Because God knows. God has blessed each, one, each person in this room beyond anything <clears throat> that we deserve. We need to recognize we don't have any right to complain and to moan. Then second, you need to repent of <clears throat> your improper complaining. Now, <clears throat> why do you repent of something? Because you see it as sin. You see it as being wrong. <clears throat> repent of it. Lord, forgive me. It was wrong. It was not what you want. Forgive me. You come down on God's side of the issue and you say, Lord, this is wrong. I don't want to do this. You need to repent of it. <clears throat> you know, you're never going to get your... <clears throat> get everything, all, all the situations in your life sorted out. That's just not going to happen. <clears throat> well, some people say, well, I just believe in speaking my mind. Well, you know, everything that goes through your mind doesn't need to be spoken. And, you know, it really doesn't. You, I mean, you should put it, you should stop on your mouth sometimes. <coughs> and not say, and by the way, if the thought is sin, for you to speak, it's only deepening the problem. So, you know, <clears throat> so don't do that one. You know, don't speak your mind on those things. And then you need to put your faith in God. Unbelief is the one cause of a complaining heart. It really is. If you think about it, you say, well, hang on a minute. Don't you know my situation? My situation is this, and it's just not fair. <coughs> well, didn't God put that situation in your life? Didn't God see fit to bring that situation in your life? Doesn't he love you? D doesn't he want to bless you in your life? So <clears throat> when you're complaining and you're moaning about what God's done in your life, really what you're saying is, I don't see you in this. That's unbelief. When you come to the place where you say, Lord, this hurts. But Lord, I'm accepting it from your hand. You know what? Everything changes in your life. <clears throat> Something else. Practice contentment. Now, you know what? <clears throat> we are a generation that has more than any generation before us anywhere have ever had. You could have been a king of Ireland a few hundred years ago. And here's how you would have lived. You would have lived in a cold castle. You wouldn't have had a hot running shower. <clears throat> you wouldn't have had a light you could switch on. You would have lived cold and damp and died by the time you were about 50, even though you're the king. But you know what? You and I live in mansions. We got heat. We can't imagine what it's like. We get cold. We get so miserable because we're, so, we're listen. We're we're we're, we're so blessed. We've got heat. We've got hot running showers. We've got food. <clears throat> our, our our biggest problem with food is how not to eat so much of it. That that's not been a problem for most of the generations, and it's not a problem for most of the people in the world today. We are blessed beyond measure. We of all people should be content. But we're the least content. And we need to practice contentment. Now, contentment is, I have enough. If I never have more, I have enough. It's enough. 
I'm satisfied with what I have today. I have enough. It may not be all you want. It may not be all God's going to give you. But it's enough today. Today I have enough. Let me read you some verses. Uh, Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul learned to be content. By the way, when he wrote that, he was in prison. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Now think about that. The world in that passage thinks money is great gain. But no, godliness with contentment is great gain. And you say, well, I will be content once I have some more. That's the problem. We always want more. We always think we deserve more and we want more and we're pushing for more and there's something else. There's nothing else. God may give you plenty more. But you know what? If you can't be content with what you have today, you won't be content with that. You're not going to come to a day where you have enough to be content. That's not the way it works. Contentment is being content with what you have. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that's a powerful verse. Um, What it's saying is that, listen, I want you to be content. Don't be covetous. Be content with such things that you have. Because you have me. That's what he's saying to you. Now do you have God in your life tonight? If you have God in your life tonight, what are you complaining about? What more could you have? Now, if you don't have God in your life tonight, listen, you have something to... (coughs) You have a lack. But if you have God in your life, he says, I'm sufficient for you. I'll take care of you. I am enough for you. Don't let yourself get in the place where that becomes little and you're looking for more. And then finally, (coughs) practice thankfulness. I keep telling you to do this one. List the things you've got to be thankful for. I mean, <clears throat> you can come tonight and you can say, well, you know what, this is the thing I've got a problem with. This is an issue. And I, how can I be happy with this issue in my life? Well, here's how you'll be happy. And this is practical. This is something you can do. The Bible says that we're to rejoice in all things. It says that we're to be thankful. You start listing the things in your life that you've got to be thankful. Now, <clears throat> for a moment, ignore the thing that's bothering you. Ignore the thing that you're complaining in a moment. But just ignore that. Put, put that to one side for a second. We'll get to that in a second. But start listing the things in your life that you've got to be thankful for. And you know what? You'll get on a roll. Because there's so much to be thankful for. Did you get fed today? Yeah, nobody looks like they're starving. <clears throat> Did you sleep in a bed last night? Yeah, nobody looks like they slept rough last night. You got clothes? You got a roof over your head? <clears throat> yeah. You know, you got so much good going on in your life. And when you start and you begin to kind of begin to kind of look for things to be thankful for, you know what? It's amazing how much in your life you can be thankful for. And when you take all those things that you've got to be thankful for, then come to the issue that's bothering you. And ask yourself this question. Does God love me? Did God put this in my life? On that basis, can I not be thankful for it? And even the things that are bothering you, you can actually be thankful for when you begin to look at them. But 
Thankfulness is the antidote to a murmuring and complaining heart. Can you imagine <clears throat> the nation of Israel? If they had had a thankful party, if they had come to the place where they'd given thanks, Lord, we thank you for the plagues. Man, it was amazing the way you took down Pharaoh. That was, that was amazing. And Lord, we thank you for the way all those people gave us jewelry and they gave us money and they just, they, 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 they just showered us with it as we were leaving. God, that was amazing. Thank you for doing that. And oh, Lord, we thank you that you spared all our firstborns. All those poor people are crying <clears throat> because you took their firstborns. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for opening the Red Sea. Whoever heard of such a thing? Whoever heard of a God that could open the Red Sea? Thank you for the Red Sea. <clears throat> and Lord, we got a problem now. We need water, but we saw you do all those things. You know what? We know you're going to do something amazing here as well. Isn't that what it would, what it would do? But they forgot so quickly, same as we do. But thankfulness makes you remember. Thankfulness makes you remember all that God has done and is doing in your life. And there's so much in our lives that God is doing. So many blessings in our lives. And thankfulness is the discipline of remembering them. And it's the antidote to murmuring and complaining in your life. You know, <clears throat> that's something you can do. Now, <clears throat> if you know something you can do and you won't do it, Romans 14 calls that sin. If you know to do good and you won't do it, that's sin. And you see, the problem with murmuring com and complaining is not, well, what else can I do? The problem with murmuring and complaining is, I know there's something else I can do, but I'm choosing not to do it because I want to have a good old gripe and complain and feel sorry for myself. And on that basis, you know what? God is right to judge us. Got to be right to judge us. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can make the decision to trust God. Make the decision to be thankful for all the blessings God has brought in your life. And you know what you'll find? You'll find <clears throat> it's amazing. And you'll find that what he does is he steps into your life and he shows himself great and mighty. And you get happy. Because murmuring and complaining is a miserable way to live. But you know what? When you're thanking God and you're blessed, you can be happy. Let me close with an illustration, right? <clears throat> Matthew Henry, the famous Bible teacher, was once accosted by thieves and robbed of all his money. He wrote these words in his diary. I am so very thankful. Yeah, what? I am so very thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took everything I had, it wasn't very much. Fourth, it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. You know what? He could have had a good old complaining fit, couldn't he? But he knew better. He knew better. <clears throat> and so instead of murmuring and complaining, he knew to be thankful. Now, <clears throat> what is it that you're murmuring and complaining about at the moment? What is it that's eaten away your peace, your joy, your love, your walk with God? What is it? Listen, give thanks for it. Because he put it in your life because he loves you and he wants to do you good. Accept it like that. And you can drop the chains. You can be free. 
You can let go of the thing that binds you. But understand this. It's a choice. It's not I can't. It's I won't. And when you say I won't, you're instantly on the outs with God. And I can take being on the outs with everybody else on the planet, but I really can't take being on the outs with God. And neither can you. So if there's a problem there tonight, let me encourage you. Get it right. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, you are so good to us. And you pour out so many blessings to us. Now, Lord, would you bless, even in this time, as we sit before you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And God is dealing with you. Would you just recognize it tonight? God is dealing with me. God is dealing with me on this issue. Just lift your hands so I can see it. Just recognize God's dealing with you. Amen. Amen. Many people. Amen. Amen. God is dealing with us. Listen, if he's dealing with you, don't wait. Get it right tonight. Say yes, Lord. Be thankful. Start a list. Write it down. Do whatever you need to do. But get out of the, uh, get out <clears throat> of the bondage of griping and complaining and do it instantly. Anybody else tonight, God is dealing with me and I'm responding to him. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord. Would you bless your people, Lord? <clears throat> Would you take us and work in our hearts and lives uh, that we might, Lord, <clears throat> forsake griping and complaining and that we might be a thankful people trusting in you because you are indeed a great, a good, and a wonderful God. Now, bless us, we pray. May we know your sweet presence in Jesus' name. Amen.